You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Listen, I'm dedicated to bringing the very best people in the world in their respective fields your way to help you to transform your life. A big part of our evolution as human beings is success, right? This word, like, what does that even mean? I remember being in college, there was not a success one-on-one class. If there was, I would have taken it, all right? We're not really taught about how to be successful, right? Whatever the endeavor might be, whether it's relationship success, financial success, health success, how do we actually achieve it? And there, of course, there are tactics, there are secrets to all of it, but success is really a mindset. And there are certain key principles and insights that we all need to learn. And it's just really a travesty today that this isn't something that's readily available until you get connected to the person that I have for you today, all right? It's gonna blow your mind. Before we get to him, and listen, I'm here at his home and we'll talk all about it. It's just one of the most incredible experiences already. I wanna tell you about our sponsor today who's been a lifesaver as I've been out on the road. I've been on the road, number one, the Phenomenal Life Cruise with Eric Thomas. Eight days, seven nights on a cruise ship, I was trapped, all right? It was incredible, an amazing time. And you know, we did a couple of uh, speaking engagements, Q and A's, just hanging out, having some fun, island hopping. But wow, it can really take a toll on your body, especially the, the, the food on the boat. I did the very best I could, you know how I roll. And, but I had my Organifi, my Go Pack, so I got my green juice supplement in to make sure that I wasn't missing any of the key nutrients that my body really needs to stay optimized, right? And so those Go Packs were my lifesaver. I was back home for like three days, hopped out to San Diego, where I just spoke at Fitness Business Summit, Bedros event, and we'll put his episode in the show notes, absolute classic, incredible event, probably the best fitness-related event I've ever been to or been a part of. But again, on the road, tons of Q&A, speaking, a lot of stress, running around. Organifi, total lifesaver, all right? I highly recommend, if you're not already on Organifi's green juice, pop over there and get yours today, all right? The reason that I love it is it's a low temperature process. So you're actually getting the stuff that you think you're getting from Random Company X multivitamin. You're actually getting it in this particular supplement, plus the ingredients themselves. So we got spirulina in here. This is 71% protein by weight, the highest protein food on the planet, plus phycocyanin, which is clinically proven to boost stem cell mobilization. What? Cheerios can't do that, all right? Centrum Silver can't do that. Spirulina can, all right? Check them out. Also, chlorella, moringa. Chlorella, 50% protein by weight. Also has chlorella growth factor. Helps your body getting rid of heavy metals. It's really powerful stuff. And last thing, it tastes good. All right, that's the key, because some of this stuff sounds a little weird, like spirulina, it sounds like maybe some swamp water, I don't know, but it actually tastes really amazing. Just toss it into a water bottle, uh, shake it up a bit, and enjoy. They've got the green juice, red juice, I love both of them. Organifi.com forward slash model, get 20% off, all right? It's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model, 20% off, head over there, check them out. And now, time for the iTunes review of the week. Another five-star review titled, If You Don't Know, Now You Know by Vanessa Moo. This podcast is the gold at the end of the rainbow. I look forward to each new episode. They're each so invigorating and mind-opening. I always listen when I can give my full attention and jot notes along the way. Sean, you're so relatable and you do a phenomenal job hosting each guest and making even the most technical, sciencey stuff make sense. Thank you for your time and dedication. You are a superhero. Thank you so much for leaving me that review. I appreciate it immensely. Everybody continue to hop over to iTunes and leave me those reviews. Please keep them coming. It keeps me on fire. All right, and speaking of on fire, <laughs> let me tell you about our guest today, Ed Milet. Crazy synchronicities happened for me to link up with Ed and I'm just eternally grateful. Truly one of the most empowering figures to be around. Uh, he's just like, you can't be in his space and not feel elevated, all right? So he's been in, the kind of motivation sphere, mindset speaking, under the radar for a long time for folks in my lane. Like it's been like a parallel universe. He's one of those guys when you find out about him, you're like, how in the world did I not know about you like my whole life, right? He's been killing it for years, impacting the lives of thousands upon thousands of people. Now he's got one of the biggest social media followings 
in this space, just like, and he's just been in it for a couple of months because he's the truth, all right? And his name is Ed Milet, and we're here at his place in Laguna, and it's beautiful, overlooking the ocean. His house is just, it's disgusting, all right? It's disgustingly <laughs> amazing, and he's an incredible human being. I'd like to welcome to the Model Health Show, Ed Milet. My pleasure, What's up, my, my man? friend. Great to be here. Very, very happy to have you on. Thank and, you. And um, man, the first thing I want to do is just kind of dive in. I want to talk okay. about your superhero origin story because okay. you really are a superhero, man. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> what got you into this space of, you know, personal development and, yeah. um, you know, you're a big guy in the fin financial space. Yeah. But you didn't start off like you weren't in poverty, but you also right. weren't like one of the rich guys. So you yeah. were in an interesting spot in the middle. Let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I probably got into the personal development space out of necessity. So I think when, a lot of times when you find somebody who uh, outwardly appears to be pretty self-confident, yeah. it's probably because they've had to come from such a space of having to work on it from, you know, I was really inept. I was really an insecure guy growing up. Um, I grew up in a family, I had a good family, right? But my, like most families, I come from some dysfunction. You know, I thought, I thought my family was the only dysfunctional family till I grew up and I started meeting all these other adults like, hey, mine too, you know. Right, right. But mine, the dysfunction in my family was my dad was a drug, was an alcoholic and had some drug issues too. And so I think that just for a kid that can, and my dad's sober, by the way, a long time now is my best friend. But when I was growing up, he wasn't. And I think that just sewed into me insecurity, worry, fret, you know, uh, anxiety as a kid. And so. I knew when I got older, I was, I was behind everybody. Yeah. Other guys were more confident. Other guys seemed to have their act together. They were happier than I was, right? So I sort of sought out help. That's what self-help is, right? I sought out the help and the tools and the strategies to really transform myself. And I've done that. And so really the, the personal development side was just literally out of bare necessity to function as a human being and to be happy. Mm, so that's where that came from. You know, I heard you talk about uh, you're, you're kind of in a dangerous spot, not being from poverty yes. and not being one of the, you know, kind yeah. of rich and having a silver spoon, yeah. but in the middle there. I believe so, that big time. First of all, I don't think there's any ideal upbringing to go win, right? Because yeah. you and I know people that grew up super poor that have been successful and they grew up wealthy too. But I kind of grew up in that space that is dangerous because it's like a slow asphyxiation, right? I grew up what I'd call like middle class, but probably the lower side of middle class too. So I think there's, and I've told you this, I think there's an advantage sometimes of growing up rich because you got connections and you see the right behaviors modeled maybe. When you're poor, a lot of my buddies that are successful now that were poor, they knew what they didn't want. They were fighting, they learned to struggle. They grew up sooner, right? They didn't, they couldn't make excuses. They had to learn to be self-resilient. The middle's difficult because good's the enemy of great, right? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't horrible. It wasn't like there wasn't food on the table. Yeah. It wasn't like I didn't get a present on my birthday, right? So you kind of start to think that's what life is. No one in my family ever talked about dreaming or winning or being wealthy. Same time, they weren't really running from something either. So there's like, there was no stimulus. The stimulus when you're poor is to get out of there. The stimulus when you're rich is to replicate it. Yeah. There's no stimulus from where I'm from. And so probably the rarest background when you meet somebody that's successful is the middle. It's actually the rarest that you meet somebody, they're from the middle. And so a lot of your listeners come from that place because most people are in the middle, right? And so I'm sort of, I think, an example of some of the things maybe you would need to do to get out of that space, to move from good to some, some form of greatness in your life. Yeah. yeah. It's comfort, right? right. That yes. word comfort can be a killer, right? So true. And so that's exactly why I wanted you to, to point that out is because so many of us do come from that mm. and also we're maybe existing in it right now. So true. And how important is it to stretch ourselves and to really kind of get comfortable with discomfort? You do, you need to do that. Malcolm X is a guy that I've read a lot about and um, Malcolm X, my favorite quote of Malcolm X is, is that which you do not hate, you will eventually tolerate. And so there has to be this point in your life where what you want is so much greater than where you are, you're in such discomfort. In other words, the gap between what you're dreaming of, what you're destined to do, what you're capable of, you're aware of it compared to where you are, that tension between the two has a pull power to it, right? And so it's, it's important all the time that wherever you are in life that you're chasing that next version of you, there's this, there's this thing I'm just unbelievably passionate about that is that I have this theory that I've told you this before, but that I think that at the end of your life, there's this place you come to, and I'm a Christian, so I think at the end of my life, I want the Lord to go, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Doesn't matter what your faith is, you probably are aware there's history being made or an accounting. But I also think he's gonna go, hey, by the way, this is who you could have been. I think he introduces you to the person you were capable of becoming. I really believe that, that at the end of your life, you're gonna get introduced to the person you could have been, you were destined to be, that he made you to be. And so I'm chasing that dude. 
every day I'm chasing that dude. That's the pull power for me. Every decision I make, the things I go through in my life, whether I'm gonna go to the gym, whether I'm gonna make a phone call, how I'm gonna eat, does it get me closer to that guy? Because I think the best end of a life is well done by the Lord and, and you're identical twins with that person. Yeah. The bad end of a life would be, I meet this man I could have been and we're total strangers. I mean, we're just complete opposites. I know nothing about this guy. There's no familiarity at all. And it means that I went down these easy roads. I took the comfortable road. The comfortable road will never lead you to the person you were destined to be, ever, in your life. And so I don't, if, you, if you don't become obsessed with chasing that person, you end up never meeting him. Yeah, that's, that's big for me. Incredible. Yeah. So you were initially feeling pulled towards baseball when you were younger. True. How in the world did you go from baseball to the, the financial spectrum yeah. where you operate today? Just like your story, which we were talking about today, everything in your life happens for you, not to you. I'm just a huge believer in that. And so uh, my baseball dream ended. I had an injury, probably gave me a premature end to occur that would have ended anyways in hindsight because I played with enough great players that I kind of know there was a gap in just God-given ability level, not work ethic, but I think to be the greatest, there has to be some proclivity for it and work ethic, right? And so I kind of maxed out my limited abilities. Um, and so when I got released, I ended up moving back home with my parents. I couldn't find a job. I was depressed. I spent about a year at my parents' house, just broke in every way, financially, spiritually, mentally, physically. And uh, I remember I'm, I was living at my mom and dad's house, same bedroom I grew up in, same posters on the wall, same damn teddy bear in the room, you know. What poster? Tell me a poster. My uh, poster was, uh, this is crazy, my poster was Jim Plunkett, who was the quarterback of the Raiders. That tells you how old I am. No one in this whole <laughs> video that's watching this knows who Jim Plunkett was. And um, I had uh, Heather Locklear. <laughs> who's, who no one knows either, yeah. but she was a model. So those two were on my wife. She was on 90210 as well. She was on 90210. Yeah. She was on TJ Hooker, too, the cop show, by the way. Most people don't remember that. So those are my two posters. And uh, I remember my dad came home. My dad had just got sober. And my dad said to me, Hey, I met this guy at a meeting. I got you a job. You get your ass down there tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Getting out of this house and getting a job. And I'm like, Okay, I have a college degree. You know, I'm being picky for a year watching Maury Povich reruns every day on TV and Jerry Springer. I go down there at 6 a.m. I walk in, I said, hey, my name's Eddie Milet, I'm here for the job. They're like, what job? I remember this vividly, right? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, they just told me you'd know. And they go, well, we have no idea who you are. We don't know what the job is. They said, do you know who's hiring you? I said, I don't remember. And they go, well, then you need to come back. And I go to the door and I go, wait a minute, his name's Tim. They're like, there's a lot of Tims. Mm. And I go, well, I know he must be an alcoholic because he was at a meeting with my dad last night. They go, oh, drunk Tim, we Tim, right? Right. And where I was was a place yeah. called McKinley Home for Boys. It was a group home, a campus of group homes. Yeah. All my boys were wards of the court. They were removed from their family either because their parents were incarcerated, killed, or were molesting them. And I ended up in Cottage 8. Cottage 8, I had 12 boys. They were 7 to 10 years old. And I walked through that door that morning not even knowing what the job was. And it transformed my life. I mean, in an instant, brother. I just saw these eyes, these little boys. And they just wanted someone to love them and believe in them and care about them. And I have this big belief that people that go through any dysfunction in their family or abuse as a kid, I think our eyes are different. Yeah. We just have these different eyes, man. Yeah. And so I could connect with these guys. Mine wasn't as severe as theirs, but I knew what it was like to have that kind of anxiety and that kind of stress and that kind of pressure put on you as a little boy. And I became like their father. I was there with them on Christmas and Halloween and their birthdays, and I lived with them. And it changed my world because in that instant, I went from being this athlete who was ego, recognition, significance, yeah. gonna get rich, it's all about me. Yeah. Always when you're a good athlete, you knew this growing up, yeah. it was always accolades. All of a sudden in that instant, it became about serving people, making a difference of them. Like, oh, this is what makes me happy. Yeah. Oh, I was actually born to serve and help people. Crazy, no one, that never happened playing baseball. And while I worked there, two years into it, the financial business that I'm in came along. Yeah. And I started in it part-time, and I'm the, I was the rare young businessman who approached the business world from a place of service and giving and not making money. Yeah. And ironically, the more I served people, the more I made a difference, the more I contributed, the more I was rewarded financially. I didn't do it for that reason, but that's what happened. So that's how I got into the business was actually, and again, everything, my dad wasn't an alcoholic. He's not at that meeting. I don't get that job, yeah. and if he wasn't, if it wasn't alcoholic, I wouldn't have connected with those boys. So all of that, in hindsight, happened for me, right? And, yeah. and, and had I met the financial business before that, I'd have flown out of it. I'd have been about ego, making money, and when that didn't happen, I'd have left. Yeah. And so it exactly. all happened in the right sequence. Wow. 
life qualified you. We just I, talked about I that. I love how you say that. Yeah, I've never heard problem. someone say that. It's so powerful and true. Yeah. You know what? Um, full disclosure, you know, this is why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about this. I mean, you have a couple hundred million dollar worth, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. And to come from where you came from, there were a process. It wasn't all sunshine and roses once you made this decision. Sure. So let's talk about the the early days, right? Okay. I know some things happened, maybe some some lights got cut off or something <laughs> like that. Like you went through stuff, yes. again, life qualifying you. Mm -hmm. And so now you even have a different perspective about, I mean, even I started the show just saying how beautiful your home is. I mean, this is absolutely Thank gorgeous and you. just amazing, but it's not about the house for you. There's something no. else. Well, no, and like any entrepreneur, there's a lot of people out there listening to this that are starting a business. And I have to say entrepreneurism is the best self-awareness program in the history of the world because you're gonna learn a lot about yourself. When you start a business, you're going to learn how resilient you are, how tough you are, how you deal with adversity. Uh, it's a self-improvement program with a big compensation package attached. It's going to require you to improve in order to go get what you want, right? And I'm believing in both those things. But like most entrepreneurs, I'd get it going and then it would come backwards. I'd get my business growing, it would come backwards. And so I had huge financial adversities and like embarrassing ones, like shameful ones. Like Christian and I just first got married. And I remember thinking, man, the power got turned off. Our phones got turned off. She goes out to work one day and I'm like, she goes, my car got stolen. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Now a car gets stolen, what's going on, right? Except it wasn't stolen, it was repoed. Oh man. So then it was even worse. Then about two weeks after that, the water got turned off. You could have everything turned off. I've said this before, you have your power turned off, the lights, you can function. You get water turned off in your place. You can't bathe, you can't brush your teeth, you can't cook. Water's the worst thing, right? And so we would have to get up in the morning, newly married, total shameful as a man I couldn't provide. We're living in this apartment. We'd have to walk down the stairs freezing cold and we would shower at our pool's outdoor shower. Yeah. And I'd just protect her and let her be covered. And just the shame of us brushing our teeth down there and then have to go out into the world and go, I'm gonna win. We're gonna change the world, right? And so I always tell people to this day, it's a great, we're looking at it right now. There's this beautiful Pacific Ocean out there. It's a great blessing. And I look at it every day. Honestly, I wake up I'm like, I cannot believe we're here sometimes. But a lot of mornings, brother, candidly, not every morning, but many mornings, when I pull that shower and the water comes out, instant gratitude. Just to this day, it was so shameful and so painful that just when I see water come out of the faucet and hit me, I feel grateful. And it's just from those days of being without it. So. This is... Again, this is why I wanted to have you on, man, is that there's this also this groundedness. You know, you've achieved a lot, a lot of success. But I think that there are some basic principles that people look past, like mm -hmm. gratitude. Huge. Like this is actually so let's let's talk about this. Okay. I wasn't planning on talking about this with sure. you because I want to there's something very specific I want to get to. But okay. where does gratitude come into play? I mean, it sounds it sounds very kind of airy fairy. So it's airy fairy to everybody. Gratitude is the antidote to almost everything negative in your life. Gratitude is, if it's not, love's the most powerful emotion, but gratitude is the emotion that will deliver you the most joy in your life. I'm just telling you. And so I'm constantly taking inventory of what I'm grateful for, small and big things. I'm a gratitude addict because a, the normal human being and my normal proclivity is to worry, is to stress. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I was grown up because of the going on around me. I was wired to be a warrior. Is dad coming home? What if mom and dad are fighting? You know, what's the environment going to be like? What's dad's state going to be when he gets home? You know? And so... I grew up worrying all the time. So as I got older, the antidote to that was being grateful. Mm. And so I'm constantly trying to seek things out I'm grateful for. I mean, small and big things. I mean, like, it sounds hokey, but like, I have this experience, humans have it. Like, sometimes just the wind, man, just hitting you the right way. It's like, man, thank you, Lord, right? So I'm constantly trying to find things that are I'm grateful for because your mind goes to work on finding the things you want it to find. And for me, I want it to find stuff I'm grateful for. And the more successful you become, that's why so many successful people are so unhappy. It's the next material thing. And what most people think is, here's what they think, I'll be happy when. It's the most common human condition. I will let myself feel gratitude and happiness when. When I find the right person relationship. When I get a certain amount of money. When I buy that car. When I buy that home. When I buy that, when I get that promotion. So they delay their happiness until, and that until never arrives. It never shows up. So I always talk about being blissfully dissatisfied, learning to live blissfully, being happy, but dissatisfied with where you are. There's no relationship between being dissatisfied and unhappy. You can be happy and still dissatisfied at the same time. Yeah. And so happiness to me is gratitude. So I'm constantly trying to find things like just you being here today and getting to know you. It's like, I'm grateful for this time. Your beautiful wife. It's like, 
what what a wonderful wonderful way to spend a day. What a wonderful experience. Like I'm grateful for that, and I make sure I remind myself. When we were in, I interviewed you earlier today, right? And I remember in the middle of the interview, he's going, "I'm so grateful for this man. I'm just so grateful he's <laughs> wow. here." You know, yeah. and so I, I'm constantly seeking anything I can find that I'm grateful for because it makes me happy. Yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, now let's talk about some of the principles. You know, because. You, you know, go in that situation mm. where, you know, again, water being turned off, really yeah. struggling with, and man, I mean, I can really identify with this, you yeah. know, and how it even uh, impacts your manhood, you it know, does. just the ideas that we carry. It's shameful. But going from that place to achieving the success that you have, mm -hmm. what are like one or two principles, like changes in your psychology Huge. that must have taken place? Yeah. Must couple, two musts, I'll give you the two huge musts for me. One was my self-confidence. I grew up not a very self-confident person, and so you have to have high self-confidence. Any world-class athlete, you and I both know, their self-confidence level is through the roof. And when they go in a slump, when they're not performing well, what's going on? They've lost their confidence. They haven't lost their ability to shoot or hit a ball or hit a golf ball. They've lost their confidence. They've lost their swag. So where's confidence come from? Like I knew I had to become more confident. Confidence comes from this, because the disease of lack of confidence is you're obsessed with everybody else thinks about you. What are they gonna think? What are they gonna think? What are they gonna yeah. think? That's the, that's the symptom. The disease is you're worried about your reputation with everybody else because you don't have a good one with you. If your reputation with self is exemplary, you're not concerned about your reputation with others. So self-confidence comes from one simple thing. It comes from keeping the promises you make to yourself. That's it. If you begin to consistently keep the promises you make to you, you will begin to stack upon that self-confidence. And so I set up my life where I started to keep promises I made to me, whether that was what time I got up in the morning, what I put in my mouth to eat, when I trained and worked out. I can't control outcomes, but I can control activity. So in my business life, I'm gonna make 15 phone calls today. I'd make my 15 and I'd be conscious of saying, I did what I said I was gonna do. I did what I said I was gonna do. And through that process over a period of time, every day, every hour that went by, I kept keeping more and more promises to me. Yeah. I began to trust me. My self-confidence level transformed. That was number one. Second thing was my identity. You'll never exceed in your life what you think you're worth. Everyone talks about this, but you'll never exceed your identity any time in your life. And your identity is your self-worth, what you believe you deserve. Okay, now, self-worth and identity is like a thermostat. It sits on the wall of your life. It sets the entire temperature for your life. So in every area, you have a spiritual thermostat, a financial, a business, a physical one, a wellness one. So if that thermostat is set, at, let's say financially, at 80 degrees, instead of 80 degrees, no matter what you do, you've already experienced it. If you start to heat your life up, you start having abundance come into it, and you're doing, th you're doing activities that are better, but you haven't changed your identity, you will find a way to cool your life right back down to where your identity is eventually. You'll make a bad investment decision, a car will break down, it'll all seem unconscious, but you will get back to 80 degrees of money. Right. Okay? Yes. The reverse is also true. You start to go broke, your car gets repoed, the water gets turned off, you find a way to heat it back up and yeah. get it back to 80 degrees again. So the yeah. key in life is to have self-confidence and change that thermostat level of what you think you're worth. You could be in the best business model with the best opportunity, the best products, the best everything, and you will not exceed 80 degrees of identity if that's your identity in your life. Happiness has an identity. Faith has an identity. And so the key thing is how do you shift that identity, yeah. right? And that identity then is shifted through a couple things, but the biggest one is associations. Biggest way we change your identity, if let's say you hung around a guy worth a couple hundred million dollars. If you're, if I'm a 150 degree or financially, and you're an 80 degree or through proximity over time, I will heat you up somewhere in between the two of us. Yeah. If your faith, if you have no, you know, you struggle with your faith or your relationships, but you surround yourself with people that have great faith or great marriages mm -hmm. through association, yours improve. So the biggest way I change my identity is through who I hung around. Yeah. Hanging around lastly is also, I don't have to physically be around you. I can read your book. Yeah. I can read a book from you on health, on sleep. And when I read that book, I'm not just reading pages, I'm pretending as if I'm with you. I'm associating with you. And so mm -hmm. a lot of my identity shifts came from books I read and things I listened to and people that were live in my life at the same time. That's how I changed it. This is blowing my mind. Listen, <laughs> I didn't tell you this, but that was a specific thing when I said earlier I want to get to. I want to talk about identity okay. because this is something that I've been pondering a mm -hmm. lot the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. And also with myself and yes. understanding as I change levels and things mm -hmm. I've been struggling with. Yes. You know, and so seeing this in my clinical practice and just working with people over the years, mm -hmm. 
it's not just a change in your tactics, right? You know, when we're looking at somebody, you know, just say their goal is to lose 50 pounds. Yes. We often don't understand what is required. We know the steps, the, the tactics, mm -hmm. but we don't really understand that you're going to be a different person. You got right? it. Your identity has to change because you see yourself as this person. Yep. The number one driving force of the human psyche is to stay congruent with the ideas we carry of ourselves. Congruency is huge, isn't right? it? And that's why in your space, you'll see people short term get well get healthy, lose the 50 pounds. But oftentimes, if they don't change their identity, we'll come back in a year or two, those 50 pounds are back. And sometimes 50 aren't back, 60 are back. Yeah. Because they stop taking the steps, the tactics and the strategies because of this identity thing going on. And what your word, by the way, I love, and I've said before myself is, is to be congruent yeah. with your identity. You will do everything in the world to become congruent with your identity, so you better put a governor on it. And anytime I ever wanna make a change, if I wanna make a leap of anything, like I'm in this space now where you're dominating, right, in the podcast space, okay, I know that I have to change my identity about that. How am I doing it? Hanging around you hanging around Andy Frisella, right? Hanging around the people in this space that are incredible at it because through association, I can change that identity of mine. I can do all the tactics, all the strategies, all the things you teach me, but if my identity is still way down here, that's the result I'm gonna produce. Man, this is powerful. Yeah. I wanna, I wanna talk more about this subject okay. because I wanna help people to be able to make that shift, sure. to change their identity. So one of the big keys that you shared, which I'm so grateful for, is the power of association mm -hmm. and just, I cannot stress that enough. Me I mean, that's literally what got me from chronic illness, depression, just lost, mm -hmm. is starting to be around mentors. For me, it was virtual. You know, this yes. is like way back in the day, you know, around 2000, 2001. Yes. Um, and like participating in like these online summits and I would buy the CDs and I'd listen to them in the mm -hmm. car and just mm -hmm. like really starting to reprogram my thinking. I immerse myself in that world. Yes. Right, yes, so me too. that's one key is association. What's something else, like if people are really needing to yep. make a shift in that identity, what else do we need Let's to do? Let's talk about the mentor thing quick, then I'll give you one more tip. They're, they're seeking a mentor out, right? So there's, there's different levels of influence. So people will say, I need a mentor, right? I need mentors, mentors. That's, that's powerful, because you do need a mentor. Yeah. But if you think about with your children, who has the most influence over them? Okay, when they go to school every day, what do you worry about most? You worry about who your children associate with, who their friends are. So teachers are like mentors. They're this distant person who sort of teaches you things and tells you what to do, and they do sculpt our children. But let me tell you who's the most influence over them, friends. Yeah. So I, I did read, I did listen, I did go through those strategies, but on top of that, I tried to meet friends. I tried to turn my mentors into friends because friend is the highest form of influence. Second way you change identity is awesome. It's an incredible amount of activity in a short period of time. So the other way you can look at identity, it's like a water line in the pool, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you do a short amount of activity that you've never done before, you hit a new water line, that will alter your identity somewhere in between where you were and the new line, it jumps the stage. Mm -hmm. So when I'm trying to shift identity, I'm going, okay, I've gotta work on my associations, work on my identity, literally be thinking about my self-worth, but at the same time, I try to do compress activity into short windows of time, do a tremendous amount, like a 90-day madman cycle or a challenge of something that I do that alters me. Because when you do something in a short window you've never done before, it alters or changes you. We've had that happen in the negative. Within a short window of time, if you lose a family member or some loss happens, it changes you, doesn't it? And the same has also happened in a short window of time. Some great things happen. You're just different in that short window. So change can happen like this. Yeah. It can happen in short windows by new associations and through bursts of activity in short windows of time. That's my usual formula for changing my identity. Oh, I love it, I love it. There's so many things I wanna ask you about, including I wanna talk about some routines. Like you talked about having that massive action that short amount of time. Sure. But that consistency is really a key to success. So we're gonna talk about that right after this quick break. So sit tight and be right back. Today we're in the midst of a new revolution with our understanding of food. We used to just be focused on this macronutrient paradigm, proteins, fats, carbohydrates. Carbohydrates and proteins got a pretty good name, but fats were drugged through the mud. Why is that? Because it's called fat, all right? The name implies something different than the other two. Because when we hear the word fat, we think about fat on our bodies. Fat in food and fat in our bodies are two totally different things. And it's like thinking, if I eat blueberries, I'm going to turn blue, when you think that eating fat is going to turn you fat. 
It just doesn't work like that. And any of those three macronutrients can actually put fat on your body if you eat too much or the wrong types. Healthy fats, which I'm proposing that we start to call lipids or even energy, are incredibly important for every single function in your body. Your cells, every single cell in your body, we have upwards of 100 trillion cells that make you up, require fats to just maintain the integrity of your cell membranes. We're talking about the thing that holds your cells together and enables your cells to communicate. It's very important. Also your brain, your brain is mostly fat and water. This is why fats are so important. When you're deficient in fats, especially the right kinds of fats, you can see some big issues. So in order to address that, some of my favorite things today are MCT oils. And specifically, if we look at emulsified MCT oils that actually taste amazing. And these are medium chain triglyceride oils that are extracted from things like coconut or palm. And these medium chain triglycerides have a thermogenic effect on the body, which means they are able to positively alter your metabolism. All right, that's number one, thermogenic effect from MCT oils, positively altering your metabolism. Number two, MCTs are more easily absorbed by your cells. So unlike conventional food of any type that has to go through a pretty arduous process of digestion, turning that food stuff into you stuff, MCTs are able to go directly to your cells and provide almost instant energy. Number three, MCT oils are very protective of your microbiome. There's so much research today about the importance of having a healthy microbiome and the integrity of our gut. MCT oils are one of those things that help to support that because they're especially effective at combating viruses, parasites, bacteria, and there's so much goodness that is able to be found in these MCT oils, but you wanna get the good stuff. And for me, that's why I go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash M-O-D-E-L to get the emulsified MCT oils, which is like a coffee creamer. These are great to add to your coffees and teas, smoothies and things like that to get in a little bit of extra flavor plus all the benefits of MCT oils. They're easy to stir so you don't have to throw everything into a blender just to get a nice coffee drink, but also they taste good and they make the process of being healthy, fun and enjoyable. So head over, check them out. They've got vanilla, coconut, cinnamon swirl, and strawberry. It's one of my favorites. So go to onit.com forward slash model for 10% off your entire purchase, not just for the MCT oil, but all of the health and human performance supplements that Onit carries and all of their fitness equipment, gear, and so much other cool stuff. All right, head over there, check them out, onit.com forward slash model. Now back to the show. All right, we're back and we're talking to the legendary Ed Milet. And before the break, I mentioned that I want to talk about habits. All right, so what do you do, Ed? Yeah. Like, let's let's talk about this. Do you have like a morning routine? Is I that do. something that's important to you? I do. I have an audio on that too, and I plug in my audio. It's free. But if on iTunes, I have a morning and an evening routine that I go through. The morning routine involves a lot about getting cold. It involves uh, going through a gratitude ritual, breathing, moving my body. All that's on my my iTunes, on my podcast, or wherever else you you download that kind of stuff. But I do. Here's the thing that I get asked all the time: How did you stay motivated all the time? People ask me that all the time. And the answer is I didn't, and neither did you to become successful. The separator in life is really important. People think the most inspired, motivated person wins. Nah, not really. It's the person who can work on the days they're not inspired and motivated. It's what do you do when you're not feeling great? What do you do when it's not your best day? How do you do that? Carries you through as rituals and habits. Yeah. So when you're fatigued, when you're tired, when you're under pressure, you react reflexively. And so successful people rely on habits and rituals, not just their inspiration and motivation level. Of right. course, we're both professionals at being motivated and inspired, but that's not every day, every minute. And so what do I do? I work on the days because my habits and rituals carry me through. And so for me, here's how I look at my, my life and my day. If I can control the first 30 minutes of my day and the last 30 minutes of my day, I have a whole lot better chance of the middle of my day being controlled. And so I'm a freak about the first 30 minutes of every day. It's really about the first 45 minutes. And I'm obsessive about the last 45 minutes of every single day. That gives me some illusion in my mind and measure of control. The other thing it does, it delivers to me habits and rituals that serve me, that I do every day that are consistent. It gives me comfort in stormy times. That ocean out there is raging at the top right now, right? The waves are crashing. At the bottom of that ocean, it's completely calm. Right. At the bottom of that ocean is the habitual part of the water, 
right? It's the, it's, the, it's the part of the water that stays the most consistent. That's why it's so calm, okay? So when you see someone out of control, their emotions are up and down all the time. This is someone who is without rituals and habits. Mm -hmm. Successful people have those, and so they do. And so it keeps me calm, it keeps me comfortable. The other thing it does, it gives me confidence because it's something I can deliver on that I promise myself. I can control what time I get up. I can control whether I pray. I can control whether I ask my gratitude questions. I can control whether I go to the gym and work out. And when you start a day, deliver on the first five or 10 promises you make to yourself, that's a confident day you've begun. And when you finish the day, keeping the promises you make to yourself, you go to bed and I think you rest better as we've talked about earlier. Yeah, you sleep more peacefully and you wake up more confident that you can deliver. So that's how important habits are for me. They're, they literally control the beginning and end of my day. Perfect, and of course we'll link this up. You've got an epic podcast. It just came out recently and it's Thank already you. just killing it. Thank you. Um, so we'll put that in the show notes, Thank but you. let everybody know still, what's the what's your name of your podcast? Max Out with Ed Milet. You can get on YouTube or any of the other platforms. Perfect segue right here yeah. because I'm all about the segue. Okay. Like, when I think about this, I think about Paul Blart. I don't know. Paul Bart Malkoff. So let's talk about max out. <laughs> okay. Right? What is this concept? Like, what does this mean for you? Well, maxing out means getting the most out of every day. It's, and I'll give you the analogy. We talked earlier about meeting the person that you're destined to be, right? Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen at the end of your life. It happens every single day by maxing out your passion, maxing out your joy, maxing out your work, maxing out your workout, whatever it might be. And my son was a little boy. He was six years old. And we went to this car wash, I'll never forget this. And I'd see the same man there every day read a newspaper, every Saturday. And my, we were there and he's a nice man. And he said to me, he goes, how old's your little boy? And I said, oh, Max, that's my son's name. He, he's six years old. And like most parents would say, he says, well, enjoy the six-year-old because when he turns seven, the six-year-old's gone forever. Which is true, we all like kids. Yeah. He goes, and when he turns eight, that seven-year-old's gone forever. And I was young and kind of cocky then. I didn't mean to be offensive. And I said to him, I said, sir, when did that process stop for you? And he just stared back at me and he goes, I don't know. And I thought to myself, I never want that process to end. In other words, the 24 year old me should never be the same when I turn 25. That guy should be gone forever. And the 26 year old should be gone forever when I turn 27. But for most people, somewhere in their life in the middle there, yep. the 25 year old is a lot like the 22 year old. The 35 year old is the same person the 33 year old was. They stop that growth. And as you know, there's a cellular regeneration in your body all the time, right? But people don't regenerate themselves. There should be a better version of you every year of your life. Just like the six to seven to eight year old should be the 40 to 42 year old, the 25 to the 26 year old. So maxing out is that process. And that process happens by maxing out my workout when I just, everything I got into it, everything I got in my relationship, everything I got in my joy. It's not cheating myself. It's not setting a low standard because what we get in our life is our standards. Habits and rituals deliver us on whatever standard we set, which is governed by our identity. And so I'm huge on setting massive standards for me. So even when we, when you leave here, when we're done interviewing, I will ask myself, did we max out that conversation? Mm. Meaning, did I get the most out of it? Did I give it everything I've got? I'm huge on not being able to control outcome all the time. I can control my effort. So I'm obsessive about effort all the time. And so maxing out is related to your effort level and everything that you do. Ah, powerful. Yeah. You also mentioned something there because just if somebody's looking cap like the Captain Obvious sure. version with Max out, this is related to lifting weights. Sure. Right? Yes. So I'm curious for you, when did you get interested in fitness? You know, because so after baseball, like yeah. did you immediately just keep working out, like doing Kobe Bryant thing, or was, was it more like? It was a little bit during baseball. I'll tell you yeah. a good story. I got, uh, I had a mentor. I had someone who got me passionate about it. So I graduated high school 150 pounds. I'm 5'9, five, 5'10, five, I'm not a big dude. First thing they did when I got to college, like you need to gain weight, right? You need to gain weight. I'd never lifted weights before, never really wanted to lift weights. And my, you know who John Gruden is, the coach of the Raiders? Of course, yeah. Okay. Coach Gruden, who's Monday Night Football now, he's the coach of the Raiders, was my strength and conditioning coach my freshman year of college. Oh, that's is crazy. that crazy? So I walk in the gym, let's go! Just a nutball, right? Like a max out nutball. And I always wanted to please coaches. I was always a coach pleaser. And so I decided I was gonna stay early, leave late. So I got addicted to training in college. I liked how it made me feel about me. I liked how it was a place where effort mattered, yeah. right? Because I'm not gifted athletically. We were talking earlier before we got on camera. You know, you're brilliant, man. Like, I don't have an incredibly high IQ, right? So I'm kind of one of these guys, like, I'm, I'm average in many ways. So what needed to be extraordinary about me was my effort level. And in working out, I could see results as I put in the effort quicker than I could, like, in business. 
It wasn't quite the delay, although there's a delay. So I got addicted starting in college, and I've just always sort of lifted weights since that time. Now my fitness has ebbed and flowed over time. And then what happened to me when I was 30 is I had an uncle who I look a lot like die of a heart attack at 50 years old. I resemble him a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, long story short, I decided to go get my arteries checked when I was 30. And I do the check and the doctor comes back. The doctor was a great influence. You know how to get leverage on you to make change. So you do the scan, you take lunch, you come back. I come back from the scan and the guy goes, um, I'm looking for Edward Milet. He looks into the lobby. I'm the only dude in the lobby, the doctor. He knew what he was doing. And I go, that's me. And he goes, oh my gosh. And he goes, he's playing me. He goes, I can't believe these arteries are in that young a body. And he goes, son, you need to come back here. And I went, you got my attention. We sit down instead of just going through the diagnosis, first thing he says to me, he goes, do you have any kids? I said, yeah. He goes, I said, I have a little boy. He's two. And I said, and my wife's pregnant with my daughter. He goes, do you have any interest in being at your daughter's wedding? Imagine what that does to your dad, right? And I go, uh, yeah. Because it's in the scan, right? Yeah. And he goes, okay, um, just so you know, you're not going to be there. Some okay. other man's going to walk your daughter down the aisle. Imagine that gets you as a dad. I went, what the hell are you talking about? And he goes, so you need to listen to me carefully. If you continue the path you're going, you will not be there for your daughter's wedding. You will not be there to see your son graduate high school, and some other man's going to be having breakfast with your kids someday. I swear to God, it's exactly what he mm. said to me. I'm like, what do I want? Right, right. <laughs> What's in the damn skin? You know. And, and so what it was is I had some blocked arteries already. Yeah. And he said we can fix this though if you do the nutritional program. I tell you, you get on the right supplementation, you start really getting serious about your fitness and training. So I was already a workout guy, but this got me serious now about nutrition. This got me serious about my health, my energy, my wellness because I had leverage. To this day. When I travel and I'm tired and I don't want to get up in the morning to work out, I swear to you, I go, Bella's wedding. It just goes off in my head, like mm. Bella's wedding, and I go. Wow. So I got leverage, I got a reason. Because the other thing that delivers in our life is our reasons yes. need to be huge. Yeah. My daughter is a huge reason. Yeah. So that's that's how it links Talk to about fitness. that, Ed. You got to talk about that. We need something to, to tie it to. Yeah, well, you have to have everything in your life. Like, it's great to have a great identity. It's great to have, you know, all these big plans and all that other stuff and great habits and rituals. But if your reasons aren't massive, see, that's the one thing. People set all these goals. They don't link to it. Compelling monster reasons, emotional, deep emotional reasons. Typically, your reasons, by the way, are always going to be other people or your dreams. I don't know what my reasons are. Yes, you do. They're your big dreams or other people you're doing it for. And so in my fitness, oddly enough, I do it for my daughter. I do it for the other people. I want to be here for them in their life. And so any monster goal you have, the fuel, the drive, the energy, the thing that's going to compel you to be congruent, it's going to get you through all this crap you're going to go through. The separator is your reasons. Yeah. So I link to every goal. I have a podcast on that too, a goal setting one. Every single outcome and goal that I have that I want to do, I link to it massive emotional reasons that create a change in me that I want them. Because that's people think that people like you and I are somehow freakishly disciplined people or way different. No, I have habits, rituals, and reasons yeah. backed by self-confidence and identity. Yeah. That's my formula. Yeah, love yeah. it, love it. Man, there's so much I want to ask you about. <laughs> I want to ask you about one more category, okay. and I want to talk about financial fitness. Okay. If you can, I know this is a pretty mm-hmm. big question, but mm-hmm. what are one or two things that folks can do to start to, you know, if, if financial health has kind of been their struggle? Because yes. we want to see success in all areas of life. Yes. That's what I'm really dedicated to, because yeah. what I grew up around and what I was taught was that, you know, you had to sacrifice one for the other, right? So. Yeah. I've known a lot of people who were very financially successful who struggled in their health yeah, or right. in their relationship. Folks with great relationships mm. who struggled financially, right? Mm. So what are one or two things that people can do to start to become a little bit more financially fit? Well, by the way, I'm so glad you asked that. What a wonderful question. You're the best interviewer ever. Like your questions are so good. Um, financially, my formula is this, and you're never going to hear this because there's all this stuff on social media and about borrow, 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 borrow. First off, the Bible says, oh, no man, nothing. So I didn't get rich by creating debt. And I can just tell you that I don't care about what type of debt you have, but the one thing financially is you do not want to borrow money if you can minimize it against a depreciating asset. If you borrow money for something that's going to appreciate like a home or an investment property, I'm pretty cool with that, although I still think you should be careful with debt. But I see far too many people borrowing money against something that depreciates like cars that they don't need to have just to impress other people, right? Or clothes they don't need to be wearing. And so don't, or credit cards, don't borrow money against stuff that goes down in value as much as you can. The second thing is live below your means. 
any person listening that's gonna get financially independent, you have to pay yourself first. So believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, when I was broke, I still found a way to pay myself, save $25, save $50. Because if you can't save money when you're making a little bit of money, you are not going to save money when you make more money. You think you will, but you won't. You continue to spend it. And so there was literally a year when I started to make money, you wanna get really wealthy? I made several multiple six figures one year and we lived in a $700 a month apartment. I just saved and saved and saved and saved because my confidence in business came from my ability to acquire and save money over time, which took me a while. But to me, peace of mind is saving and cash. Cash is king. Not enough people are obsessed with saving cash. And so live below your means. Don't borrow money against stuff that depreciates and save money. And here's a biggie. Start reading about money. Start to familiarize yourself. Pick up some mm -hmm. books on finance. Start to know what you're talking about. Save your money. Here's the last thing. Only put your money in something. If it's $50 or $50,000 that you completely understand. If you don't understand it, set it in the bank until you understand. Because too many people are investing in stocks, mutual funds, crypto this or that. I'm not saying don't invest in those places. Those are good places potentially to invest. But if you don't understand them, your money should not be in there. You're not a professional gambler. Yeah. You're a saver and an investor. Those are probably my biggest ones on saving money. That's powerful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Listen, um, one of the things that I've done, and it's just worked out so well, mm. is just automating it. You know, mm -hmm. so like for my saving and even for my son's car, which I think he might have a car by the time this comes out. Okay, well, I just been, he, he has no, no idea how much I've been saving for him because he's had his prerequisites in order for him to get it, you know, maintaining a certain crazy. GPA, yeah. uh, him earning his own $1,000. He thinks I'm just gonna like yeah. maybe triple it, but I'm gonna do a lot more for him. Wonderful. Because, I mean, it's just been on automatic. I just set up an account yes. every single month, a certain money comes out and yes. goes into that account for him. I think that's paying yourself first, by yeah, the way. Exactly. I think that's paying yourself exactly. first. It's just, it's gone. It's like a payment to yourself. Right, everybody has these auto debits for their mortgage payment, their rent payment, their car payment, their insurance payment. How about the payment to you? Yes, so you're please absolutely do right. that. Please, please do, do that. that. The thing that scares me the most is seeing people who don't save money. It blows my mind. I rarely do it anymore, but when we go to the mall on the weekend, and I'm watching people walking out of there with six, seven bags, and I'm thinking, my God, like you don't need all this stuff. Wouldn't that be cool to put that $200 a month away in savings? Sunday for your children's college, Sunday for your retirement, Sunday to buy your dream house. Yeah. You know, the best thing of living here, of living at the ocean, or having a jet, or other material things I have, is I own them all. Mm. There's no mortgage on this home. There's no mortgage on my Idaho place. There's no mortgage on my jet. There's no debt on any of my cars. Now, it hasn't always been that way. But the way I got there was by saving a bunch of money when all my buddies were blowing theirs yeah. on stuff to impress other people. That gets dated anyways, yeah. right? And so stuff you buy that you think will impress other people is really only cool for the first or second time you wear it or use it anyways, yeah. right? And so be really careful about that. I love the auto pay idea. That's paying yourself first. Yeah, so that's it. powerful. These things are so simple, but how often do we do that? Yeah, but that's a habit and a ritual though, right? Yeah. That serves you for, for the big reason yeah. of getting your son the car. Yes. It's awesome. Ed, this has been phenomenal, love man. It. I mean, I'm truly just blown away by you. Your your energy is infectious. Your your experience and just your willingness to share. I'm just very grateful for oh, that, man. That's my pleasure. Bro. Final question. Sure. What is the model that you're here to set with the way that you live your life personally? Hmm. The model for me is that I I am about maxing out in my life, but the model for me is that. I've learned from the mistakes that I've made, and I'm just, it sounds as hokey as you can be, I'm trying to get better every single day, yeah. every decision I make, I just wanna get better because, you know what, I can't. I don't compete with other people, I don't compare myself to other people, this is my life, right? And so the model for me is this, and I just wanna say this to everybody, there's probably a point in your life where you were given a script of who you were supposed to be, whether it's your parents or your friends or your spouse, and we live too often in our lives some other person's script, right? Someone else's script. And remember this, you're the lead character in the story of your life. And the person who controls that script is you and your God. And at any point, you can decide to step into a new chapter. You can step in to be a whole new leading character. And too often, at the end of a movie, you know at the end of a movie there's the credits? Yeah. 
It's like leading character, leading woman. But if you watch long enough, eventually you get down there, it's like cab driver number two, you know, <laughs> right, trucker right. number three. Yeah. These face, they don't even have names at the end of the movie, right? Most people live their life worrying about what cab driver number two, mm. bouncer number three, truck. Yeah. Instead of your life is about those leading characters that those five or six or eight people around you that you love. So my model is I live my own script. My model is I control that script, me and God. I can write a new chapter. I could, right now, you, hit, you get off this podcast, you can decide to step out into a whole new character. Maybe not dramatic, maybe you're just a little bit more confident woman, a little stronger, a little bit more dedicated to your focus, a little bit more focused on keeping the promises you make yourself. You just start stepping into that new place. And for me, I write new chapters every year. I don't, I'm not interested in reading the past chapters. My past chapters are either are, are, are stories I've made up in my mind about how great I was or big failure stories we repeat to ourselves. I'm about the new chapter right now, not even the future, right now writing that new chapter. That's my model is I control the script and I know I control the script with God's blessing. Excellent. Ed, let everybody know where they can find you online and also about your podcast. Uh, my podcast is Max Out with Ed Milet. You find that on uh, iTunes or Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff. And online, edmilet.com. It's M-Y-L-E-T-T. And then obviously Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at, at Ed Milet on all of those places. So. Excellent. Ed Milet, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I'm just blown away. I'm so pumped right now and just really feeling grateful. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to bring some, um, something that's really tangible as far as gratitude to the table. You know, somebody who is incredibly successful and some, a term like that might again seem airy-fairy. I don't even like that term, but something that doesn't really matter. Like this is, you know, new age, like gratitude, attitude. No, it really is powerful. It's valuable. He said it's an antidote, right? It's an antidote for many of our struggles and it immediately changes your state just when you become grateful. And so I want you to keep that in mind. And also one of my big takeaways and something I didn't really go back to is the fact that he said, if you wanna become financially successful, to make it a study, right? Make it a study. This isn't just gonna happen on accident. Don't invest in things that you're not sure about, you know? So make it a study. If you wanna become great in relationships, we need to make it a study. If this isn't your wheelhouse and something that you've grown up in, then you have to learn about it, right? So that's why you're part of this community with the Model Health Show, is you decided to make health and nutrition and fitness a study. And it can be fun, it can be engaging, it can be amazing, it can be life transforming, right? So if finances have been a struggle for you, make it a study, right? There are some wonderful books for financial success, right? Uh, Tony Robbins has one who lives somewhere close to here, I believe, and there's many other books out there. And I'll put a couple in the show notes, you know, just some basic stuff, but things that you need to know about. You know, same thing with your health and fitness and something that I really am just eternally grateful again to be able to have brought to the table with Sleep Smarter. If that's been a struggle for you, make it a study. You know, you learn about it. And it's immediately going to start to integrate itself into your life, all right? So I appreciate you for making the Model Health Show part of your study and making me a part of your life. And uh, listen, I've got some incredible guests coming up and some incredible show topics, but none more powerful than today with Ed Milet. So make sure to check him out. Go check out his podcast. I'm telling you, it's going to be a game changer for you. All right. I appreciate you immensely. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you've got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.